0: Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacey Saner, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner. Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Welcome to Faculty Feed, everyone. Today, we have two of my colleagues from the Department of Pediatrics, Dr. Jan Sullivan, Dr. Michelle Stevenson. We're just delighted that you were able to join us here on Faculty Feed today. Dr. Stevenson is Professor of Pediatrics in a Division of Emergency Medicine. She completed her residency training here at the University of Louisville in 2000 and a fellowship in Pediatric Emergency Medicine at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. She holds a Master's of Science in Epidemiology from the University of Cincinnati and serves as the Director of Research Development for the Department of Pediatrics. Dr. Jan Sullivan, she currently serves as professor and vice chair for research in the Department of Pediatrics, and she has an incredible list of accomplishments in the world of clinical research. She's a member of the steering committee of an NIH-funded pediatric trials network that goes through the Duke Clinical Research Institute. She's a member of the steering committee uh, for the NIH-funded IDEA State's Pediatric Clinical Trials Network. She's a senior faculty development leader and co-investigator on UofL's NIH-funded IDEA grant. And the list goes on and on. I'll just stop there. Let me assure you, you're in good hands today. These two faculty members are quite expert in the world of clinical research. Thank you both for taking time to come and join us today. Jan, Michelle.
1: Thank you, Jerry. It's Our pleasure.
2: How did you initially get involved in clinical research? So when I was a
3: resident, we had a very strong clinical pharmacology program, which sparked my interest and so I chose a critical care fellowship where there was clinical research going on and did, designed and conducted a project during my fellowship. But when I left my fellowship, I said, number one, I'm never writing an NIH (laughs) grant, and number two, I'm not doing research as a faculty member. But things changed. As an intensivist, I went to a national meeting, and they were doing a liquid ventilation study, and they were looking for sites and investigators. and I was the only one from our site at that meeting, and I talked with the lead pi for that study and our site became a site for that study and i got the fever i mean (laughs) i i loved it and from there i was able to work with our department chairman and other leaders and research in the department of pediatrics and became more and more engaged
1: Well, my story is very similar. My first real research project was also in fellowship, and I looked at child life intervention during IV insertion in the pediatric emergency department to see, hey, did this make a difference? Could we improve the care of children who get a common procedure in our setting? And I think what I learned about that experience is that I really loved the idea of being involved in research that could make a difference for my patients. And I also learned that, that I needed to learn more about how to do research. And so, as Jan mentioned, having a team of people around you to help you navigate this world of research is so important. Um, and part of the reason why I ended up getting additional training was was to help with that. But I caught the fever also. <laughs> and um, and I think that's one thing that we really want to share with our listeners is that Finding that meaning in what you're doing um, in research is so helpful in driving your research program and can really guide you in making decisions about which projects to pursue. How does a, a clinician figure out that they want to do
2: this?
0: How do you get them to catch the fever?
1: Yeah, right, it's, it's basic, but not easy. No, it, it takes a lot of self-reflection. You have to ask yourself, What are your career goals? How does that align with any other milestones you might have? Like promotion, really understanding what drives you, what motivates you, what you love. Maybe you want to acquire new skills. Maybe you want to improve something. Or maybe you have a team that you feel like has a really important uh, set of skills that could be useful in some way to those same passions.
3: I think the other thing, too, is... What is the need? What do I love? But also, what is the need? And I looked here at our institution and I knew that, you know, 70, 80 percent of drugs we gave to children weren't approved for children. And I had been trained in a culture where it was like, this isn't right. And, you know, we are, as pediatricians, here to give the best care we can to children. We need to do something about this. And so that helped get me engaged with people locally to help develop a program, but also nationally because there were other centers who also recognized this need and were willing to work together to accomplish what needed to happen.
0: So both of you had exposures that surfaced interest that brought some amount of fit into how you saw yourself in the world you were in, brought up a particular need, as you put it, right in front of you and you guys grab those. Maybe that's one of the early messages that the faculty listening can hear is that look around you, be mindful of what's there, and if you're a problem solver and someone who tries to fix things, then that might drive why you might go into a research field. How does somebody figure out if that's their why?
1: Many of us, have an underlying why that drives us to go into critical care or emergency medicine or infectious disease or education, but we have to figure out a way to put that in context with all of our other obligations. And so the next step is, what is the scope of what you're thinking about doing? Is that going to align with other time commitments that you might have? Do you have the level of experience and training, or is there something you're excited about pursuing to help you with that? And does it align with the leadership goals of your organization or your institution? So the why is often very organic, but the how to use that why also takes a little bit of planning and a little bit of alignment with the other environment in your organization and also the funding agency. So if you're interested in in pursuing funding for your work, which is a wonderful way to facilitate these passions, you wanna make sure you align that with the why of the organization that's providing that funding and really carefully read that request for applications to to figure that out as well. You can't
0: go into research, clinical or otherwise, because that's what you need to do to get promoted or to get tenure. That there's gonna be something deeper, something beyond that, something that is gonna drive you through the inevitable bumps And difficult times that come with planning for acquiring funding and actually doing and then disseminating this work and so if it's not part of you as a passion it's going to be hard it sounds like to get through the long-term work that it takes day in and day out to make it all the way through a process from conception to publication uh, in, a, in a journal or presentation at a national meeting. And so that's why it sounds like, Michelle, that alignment is just so important that it's got to be something that comes from within you. not Your department chair said you have to do research in this thing, and you dutifully just show up and go do it.
1: That's absolutely true. I think what I'd love to add to that is that sometimes We might mentor faculty who think that they can't find that alignment or that um, that alignment might be overwhelming to consider. What I'd like to convey is that it's really not. If you align yourself with the right team, the right people on your team, and you use that passion and you find a way to tap into it, it can be very powerful and you can do it.
0: So you guys presented Educator Grand Rounds. I have heard just rave reviews about what you did. What you put together in that Grand Rounds had a great impact on people who are responsible for research work to go on far beyond the Department of Pediatrics. And as such, it's generalizable anywhere and not just at School of Medicine, College of Dentistry, public health, nursing, everyone has the potential to learn these very basic things you're talking about as people try and sort out early in their career, is this for me? Does this look like me? Does it feel like me? But that can't be the only thing is what you're saying is there got to be a team of people around you and support and logistics that really make it work. And what if that's not there? They're in a department where they don't feel like they've got that kind of team around them. What, what do they do?
1: One opportunity is to think outside of their institution. And I think Jan alluded to this in her very first research experience. She got involved as a site in a larger project. And I've had very similar experiences and also been part of sort of a tribe of people interested in a particular area. Yeah. In, the, in this example, sure. for me, it's an education. And so finding your tribe, um, your tribe may not be in your division or your department or even your school, it might be elsewhere. And so look for opportunities to connect with them. And then really think purposefully about who needs to be on your team and what kind of expertise you need on that team. So what kind of expertise you need on that team is gonna vary based on the type of project.
3: It's very definite, you wanna find what your passion is. And you may not have it here, but I think you have to have your passion and that has to be the thing that drives you that will help you persevere yes. in okay. what you want to do and you know it's a it's a long process i mean i think when i started getting involved in the clinical pharmacology research here you know it was bringing other people on board the leadership educating them about where the def- deficiencies were in the care we were providing children And what the opportunity was, and we actually ended up, the hospital actually paid for two trips for us to go to other sites to see what they were doing in the area. So that has to help, that passion has to drive your perseverance. Because it takes a period of time to do it. But I think the other thing that I really caution junior faculty about is if you have a passion for something, you have to stay focused. Because I think what happens to too many people they feel as junior faculty when they come on board, they have to be a team, seen as a team player, they have to be somebody who says yes and is willing to get involved in all these things. But you really have to see, like Michelle said, what your fit is. Where do I need to focus my time if I want to develop and set my career goals?
1: Research is really a team sport. you got to have all the right people on your team to be successful. and. So you wanna be careful in who you select and why you select them. You wanna have people with the right content expertise. So for example, if you're doing a qualitative study, um, you wanna make sure some, you have someone on your team with that experience, even if you don't have it. It's okay to invite that expert that you've admired for a long time in your field if you think they could add something valuable uh, to your project. And you want to make sure that anyone who is junior on your team has the mentorship they need and the guidance they need so they're not left wondering what their role is or uh, how to accomplish the various logistical tasks that, that are at hand.
3: Everyone that's on your team doesn't have to be an expert in the area that you're researching. It is very good to have good thought leaders. And I can tell you that in my experience, there have been people who have just had great questions and really helped me refine proposals, et cetera. They weren't experts in my field, but they were good thinkers and thought outside the box. And so you don't want to restrict or limit yourself. You want to make sure that
0: you have that perception as well. Although it's a complex uh, undertaking to, to do clinical research, It is doable. It just requires some deliberate proactive effort um, to set these things up where you know when things are due. You got the right people informed and it just takes deliberate intent. And that's where your perseverance, you mentioned, comes in. That if it's part of what you really believe and are passionate about trying to get an answer to, that's what drives you through some of this complexity. What might be perceived by some as sort of mind numbing, boring, I gotta submit now, this date. But but if you don't do it, you can't get the work done and you can't get the proposal out, you can't get the funding. And so it just takes deliberate effort, like most things worthwhile, it's work. And but if it's inside of you and it's a real passion, then it's it's achievable work.
1: One thing that could be very motivating for faculty is just to remember that it's a lot of fun to meet with colleagues who share your passion and it makes your work really enjoyable and creates relationships that facilitate your academic success and so even though this process might seem daunting and might seem uh, complicated, the rewards are that you get to develop relationships with colleagues who you share your passion with and who have expertise that maybe you don't have and learn from them.
0: I think so many people hear the word research and have a negative reaction to it, that it's, it's hard work and it's not gonna be joyful, it's not gonna bring me satisfaction, it's something I just have to do to get promoted. But if that's your thing, and if you're gifted that way, then we all want meaning in our work. Who wants to work where you're not getting this kind of satisfaction and using the gifts that you have and using the resources that are available to you? That's what brings meaning to us. And and it's it's not quite an antidote to burnout, but it sure would help if part of your job brought that kind of satisfaction it could let you go through the four shifts in a row at night in the emergency medicine department and still know that, you know, well, on Monday I get to work on my research project and I'll be well rested then. And, and that's something I can look forward to. And, you know, burnout is such a tremendous issue for, uh, for faculty that love this kind of work. This is a, a buffer against that burnout and and so I think for those listening that have any inkling that this is something that they are uh, gifted to do or a nudge in that way and they want to join a team uh, to be maybe the junior member on that team just don't be afraid to jump in and begin that process
2: grit is passion and perseverance and so you must be a very gritty person, Dr. Jens Hovind. <laughs> this is a good thing. Don't, it's a really good, good thing. <laughs> because grit, the way you grow more grit, so to speak, is having a growth mindset and wanting to explore and gain new knowledge. And so this is just what I've taken away yeah, from listening right. to this conversation.
0: So, yeah, I, I think to, you can't do what you guys have done without a growth mindset. You can't do it without passion and perseverance. Grit takes effort. It's a deliberate disciplined process and successful people regularly do hard things and they're not afraid to fail and they learn from their failures and they pick themselves up and they go on again and and what you've done is you've attempted to show how what what the path could look like um, that can facilitate the process but that doesn't obviate the need for you to do the work that it takes to get along that path.
2: I do recall from the Grand Rounds presentation that you guys talked about some key things or pearls, if you will, that would be really important to keep in mind. The things
3: that Michelle and I think are really key is you really need to start with the fit and your team. You know, think about what is your fit, who are the team members that you can work with. And then think about timeline and having an accountability process when you're working on proposals. Make sure you involve the statistician early, that's very key to having successful analysis of your your design and analysis of your uh, process, project. And then begin with the end in mind. Think about where you want to end up when you do your proposal and think about working toward that as you write your proposals or develop your research, etc. I think having a teachable spirit is really key. You have to be teachable and be willing to listen to others and take constructive criticism and use it in a very positive way. Write with a purpose and make sure you set that time aside to do that. And then ponder and plan for the future. What is your future direction? Really, Hopefully what we've discussed here today will inspire you. To think that, well, I can do this and will help you look forward to how you can kind of determine your passion and persevere in that.
2: Generally in our podcasts, uh, we like to ask our guests to issue a challenge, if you will, because podcasts are rather uh, passive learning process. So we like to turn it around and make it a little active. So what would you challenge the listeners to do within, let's say, a week after listening to this episode?
1: Jan said about pondering and planning your future directions is a really good next step. So process this information and think about your why, make sure it's aligning with all of your other goals and decide which piece of it you want to work on, whether it's thinking about logistics, whether it's thinking about dissemination or just refining your own goals. Put an item on your calendar, maybe an hour, and you take some time to reflect about your why and you write down two or three reasons that m- you might want to pursue a particular project and identify your passions. Decide how what you're going to act upon and that might depend on where you are in your particular project. So if you haven't started, you might want to think about who your team members are and write those down. If you are already in the process of a research project, Revisit logistics and think about what you can do to make your timeline. Be very deliberate with your thoughts, think about your why, and think about what element fit team, dissemination, logistics, that makes sense for you to help you move forward.
0: Jan, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today, taking the time to come onto Faculty Feed and share your, your knowledge and wisdom and expertise with...
2: And their passion and perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not
0: leave the grit out. And your passion and perseverance for clinical research, not as drudgery, but as something can bring meaning to your work, bring personal joy and satisfaction in a way that maybe no other aspect of your work could. Join us next week as we talk with Dr. Susan Ryan from the College of Arts and Sciences. Susan's an associate dean there in faculty affairs, and she shares her story of her leadership journey. She also is a graduate of the Liam program. You won't want to miss this one. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be, as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest.
2: Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at facfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu.
0: Join us next time for more and come hungry.